Hello and welcome back to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. It's often said that the cybersecurity and data privacy worlds rely too much on checkbox compliance exercises and fail to get to grips with the real issues that put data and systems at risk. But how true is that? Organisations face both increasing threats and increasing regulatory burdens. And often CISOs and other business leaders lack a true picture of good practice. This has prompted security researchers at Panacea to develop a series of real-world benchmarks. These look more deeply at standards and controls. And the research also tries to shed some light on why organisations still fail to carry out basic cyber hygiene measures. We asked the report's author, Charlotte Jupp, to explain the ideas behind the research. From working with the customers in in my role, um, something we realised is we were continually being asked, uh, what does good look like? What do other people do? Um, Are we doing kind of what's our risk appetite like compared with some of the other organisations you work with? And we realised also through attending different conferences um, and speaking with kind of wider networks of CISOs and security professionals that everyone's kind of crying out for recommendations, guidance, um, where to get started if they're at the start of their cybersecurity journey as an organisation and how to mature that over time. And so we realized through kind of the analysis that we do, the work with our customers, plus um, some of the industry research and the partnerships we have with uh, different organizations, we could actually produce some some analysis here that would be really useful in general, both for our customers, but to a wider audience, um, potentially across different CISOs, different industries. Uh, People are craving guidance and recommendations. Why now, though? So why now? I think that's a that's a great question. So there is more and more focus coming for CISOs, uh, particularly with some of the regulations that are uh, looking to come out now and next year. So um, DORA in Europe, um, there's the NYDFS um, within kind of New York State and other other. Uh, US states are looking to follow, whereby there's going to be a lot more control and looking at kind of what some might call the basics of cyber hygiene in preventing breaches. So are you doing everything you can to mitigate breaches within your organization? Are you looking at some of the key controls that you should have in place and how are you performing against those? But also maybe going a step further than before and asking those within organizations like the CISO or maybe even the CEO to attest to the measurements and metrics that you have in place, the risk that you have in place, and to kind of sign off in writing that, yes, you acknowledge that this is your status, this is how you're performing. Um, and, and so we could see over time these regulations coming in and, and a lot more focus on, on the output of what organizations are measuring against those regulations. Now, this is actually quite timely. I don't know when you started the work, but at the minute, we're in a situation where the economy is looking quite fragile. Businesses are potentially considering or reconsidering spending. And we're also facing this ongoing problem of skills and the unfilled vacancies in the cybersecurity industry. So all those things suggest that potentially, yes, we're spending lots of money on cybersecurity and that spend is is increasing, if the analysts are to be believed. But so if the analysts are to be believed, it's going up but we don't necessarily know how effective that spend is. So does this form part of the background to why you're looking into it? And I think, yes, it can do. So firstly is um, 
are you focusing your attention in the right places? We know that there, is, um, there isn't an unlimited budget that CSOs get from their boards to address the risk. So they have to make sure that the money that they do have, they're spending in the best places. And so by looking at the policies that you have, um, your control objectives that you're setting, but then also the metrics that sit on top of that helps you measure and understand where your biggest risk lies. So um, at Panacea as well, we're big proponents of looking at your business risk. So not just looking at kind of maybe the technical risk that you're seeing, but how that aligns to the business um, that the organization uh, that the CISO is, is obviously supporting. Um, where are your most business critical assets? Let's protect those first. Let's make sure we're doing everything we can to mitigate risks against those. And so by directing your spending in the most effective way and and, and and using automation um, so that you aren't spending a lot of your time or your kind of employees uh, focus on reporting and pulling data together to report by having automation be the backbone for that, by having the policies in place that are running in an automated fashion to give you day on day output on your performance. It means your security professionals can be spending their time on addressing the risk rather than trying to calculate the risk. So understanding where that risk is and going away and fixing the most business critical part. And then, and and then it also helps CISOs, I guess, uh, be able to demonstrate their risk to the back to the board. So when they're making the case for extra funding in certain areas, being able to say, well, this is our risk appetite. Maybe our peers actually have a different risk appetite and our risk is a bit higher than theirs um, by looking at kind of where we're benchmarking against other organizations. It would be kind of a miss of us maybe not to focus more attention in these areas. And it helps with those conversations. It helps bring the argument to the board as to why maybe funding needs to be directed into different areas or, or more funding is needed. So what was your methodology for this? And in particular, where did you find the best practice that you wanted to base these objectives on? So I guess uh, lots of different forums. So um, speaking with our customers. So we have a, a range of different customers across the maturity spectrum, I guess, of uh, continuous controls monitoring or um, cybersecurity. So those that have been through the journey and, and know what works. We've had discussions with those. Um, we also have spoken with industry experts across um, uh, all domains of cybersecurity. So within the benchmark report, there is, um, you know, focus on application security, user awareness, um, identity and access management. Um, we also have worked with CIS, the framework, who are um, a big proponents of recommendations in terms of the controls and, and the measurements that you should have in place to protect your organization. So we've actually kind of been partnering with them to develop metrics, measurements, control objectives, uh, standards to help best protect organizations, give those recommendations. Um, and then also through my own research in looking at what individual vendors maybe are claiming is good. So you could look at the different vulnerability scanners, what they're saying they would recommend and pulling all of that together, bringing it into one place and having an overall kind of recommendation across the different security domains is something um, that has proven really valuable to our customers who are maybe starting on, on their journey in certain areas and are asking for recommendations, especially those in smaller security teams where maybe they don't have the um, expertise in all the different areas of security because they, they've got a much smaller team than big global organizations do. Being able to help them has, has proven really rewarding. So you've got 18 
objectives within this. Uh, but you've also divided them up. So there's an initial measurement standard and then there's a mature measurement standard, which is actually, in some extent, the most interesting, I think, as that's where organisations probably want to be headed. Uh, but how do you categorise initial and mature? So, yeah, that's a great question. And I guess, yeah, we started with 18 and like with the initial and mature, it's not necessarily that one size fits all organizations. But what we wanted to say was don't be overwhelmed at the start. It's better to get going and start with something than to, to not measure anything. So for the initial um policies and standards that we have in place. It's maybe if you have a smaller team or or you have less experience, what are the things that you can start to kind of track most easily first? And usually if you think about kind of vulnerability scanning, how often you should be doing that, maybe you just have kind of one um, set number across uh, different parts of your infrastructure. If you're looking at vulnerability patching, you could base that on, say, what's the severity of the vulnerability? How severe is it? And let's base our, the timeliness on, on which we aim to patch those vulnerabilities based on that. But as you mature as an organization and you can bring more data together to start telling more complex stories, so like I said, around the business context, you want to start thinking, well, this isn't just maybe a technical risk. This is actually a business risk too. So how does the business feed into the measurement, the standard the policy that I will set to make myself act quicker on the things that are most critical to us. And so what we what you can start doing there is, is joining different data sets together behind the scenes to do this analysis, bringing more data in so you understand more, not just about the technical risk of the issue, but the business risk of the issue. So um, thinking back to the, the vulnerability patching solution, it's now, well, let's consider what are our most business critical assets and let's aim to fix the most severe vulnerabilities on those assets even quicker potentially than before. And also maybe let's look at the threat profile of some of those vulnerabilities. Are they being exploited actively in industries that are similar to mine? And being able to feed that in. And I guess kind of we, we've started off with an initial state and a more mature state, but you could, there are obviously points along the way that you can kind of keep maturing. And one of the customers we work with, um, they were able to kind of reduce their risk to such an extent that they were now meeting some of their SLAs much more easily. So they said, well, let's let's be stricter on ourselves. Let's be harsher on ourselves. Let's lower our risk appetite. And that's when they matured their policy to have some of this extra complexity so that they had harder targets to aim for. Um, and again, went through that process then of working towards meeting those targets. So Overall, what I'd say is, is this initial starting point, um, get measuring something, get kind of setting a standard and a policy of something. And as you can then start meeting that policy, increase or decrease your risk appetite so that you're being harder on yourself. You're setting yourself something harder to do. And that's a, a, a multi-step process. You just, you don't go from initial to mature. These are just suggestions that as, as to kind of recommendations of, of what we see and, and what we've found to be effective. So why was it important to have that initial phase? Why not just go straight for the, the tougher standards? I'd say many reasons. So so something we discussed earlier around um, spend. Uh, organizations don't necessarily have, have the spend, the budget to go straight for the, the harder standard, the, the more complex standard. It would, it would be a huge lift to get them into a place where they could potentially measure or, or put that standard in place because the information isn't necessarily there so readily at the fingertips to allow them to, to go to that. So um, also 
you need to understand as within your own organization, what's the right maturity path for you? What are your most business critical assets? What are the, the most business critical focuses that you have? So whilst we make recommendations here in the, in the mature section of our analysis, they might not be right for every single organization. I would suggest they're a good template to start from, but you need to go through that kind of maturity stage to work out for yourself as an organization um, where your focus is. Do you expect organizations to map that out or is it simply a question of benchmarking that initial standard and then pulling back and saying, what have we got in terms of resources, financial people, others to move along? So there doesn't seem to be a strict time frame attached to going from initial to mature. So yes, I'd agree. So it, it's on. It's having the starting point. It's understanding how you're performing against the starting point. So once you put that starting point in place, you will find risk that you have to address. Um, you will need to make kind of changes probably to the processes that you have in place um, to be able to to make improvements on the, on the standards and policies you're measuring against. So. Um, as an example, what we do is, is is you have your standards and policies, but you need to then put metrics and measurements on top of them to understand how you're performing against them. We try to recommend to our customers that they should be looking at metrics that help them identify process improvements upstream. So if you've got a particular issue that's causing you to miss your SLAs, how do you identify that? Um, a classic example for that would be uh, we work with a customer who noticed that um, vulnerabilities kept being reintroduced into their environment that they'd previously targeted and, and addressed. And so they thought, well, well, how are we, how is, does this keep happening? And, and because of the timeliness of those vulnerabilities, they were, you know, some of them have been in existence in, in knowledge for well over a year, but they kept, they'd address them, but then they kept coming back and they, they couldn't understand why this was. And through the, the metrics and the measurement analysis of, of looking at those vulnerabilities that were then missing the SLA, they identified that their standard build image didn't have all the patches applied to it that it should do. So every time a new device was being created within their organization, they were reintroducing some of these old vulnerabilities fresh. So it's it's being able to, so, so I guess you, by starting with something more simple, you can identify process improvements in the initial phase through the measurements that you put on top. You can make those process improvements. So in that example, obviously patching the image where possible or, or removing software that couldn't be patched from that image that was causing some of these vulnerabilities to be reintroduced. It then meant you, you get rid of a lot of the risk through, through that process improvement. You're not continually patching those uh, vulnerabilities downstream because you've got rid of them at, at the source, as it were. Um, and it means your team can be more effective and can be more assigned, I guess, to look at something different. So they're not patching the same problem all the time. They can have their focus turned to something else. And by doing that, it means that, okay, so you've now got these resources. So you, you understand they're not addressing that problem all the time. What could they be addressing? And that all feeds into the process then of how you mature that policy as well. So it's learning from, from your starting point. It's making the process improvements. It's then identifying how you can redirect your, your resources, your, your investment um, where you might have uh, gaps and things that you need to address and then maturing the policy on top of that, which you've made that initial phase. And, and I guess in an iterative cycle like that. And so what we do is we work with our customers to 
to give them recommendations, to give them guidance. We we have some of these stories, like I just referenced in a, in our pocket, that we can anonymous, anonymously share, and it helps them identify their similar or their own processes that need improving, and then go through that journey subsequently. So. And I think this is something that kind of CISO security professionals talking with them all, they, they're always kind of talking to each other as well to learn from each other's stories. And so we're just um, helping and bringing all of that information together uh, in one place. So you have these 18. Was there a reason for 18 before we go into the next question? But is, was there a reason for 18? Uh, this is good because you're like, 18 is a weird number. Well, it was originally it was originally going to be it was originally going to be 15 and we couldn't slim the list down. So, so yeah, we, we wanted to go across different security domains so it wasn't focused in one area or the other to show that, you know, you can have measurement in, in phishing analysis and user awareness as well as vulnerability or, or endpoint. Or, um, and then through making the list, we're like, oh, well, that's a good one. This is important. And so... We came to 18, but there, there could be more that were added in there. But we decided these were the 18 kind of, you talk about basic cyber hygiene. Maybe these are some of the crux of that basic cyber hygiene that you could put in place to start with. Where would you recommend, though, that you would start? Is, is it a particular, are these written in order or, or would you try to deploy all 18 at the initial level or make you even mix and match? And some you might find actually we're further on the maturity curve than others. I expect a lot of organizations would actually find that, you know, something as simple as password resets. I think your initial standard is once a year. Uh, the mature standard is 90 days and quite a few organizations may already be on 90 days, but they may not be in mature in one of the other criteria. That's exactly it. So, I, I would say there are two areas that I'd focus on is where, you know, your strengths or your weaknesses lie. So um, focusing in, in the areas you might think you're weaker, but also measuring where you're stronger just to check you are as strong as you might think you are. Uh, and that goes especially for like control coverage. Your uh, your controls are only as good as what they're looking at. And so if, if you have big gaps there, then obviously you're, you're missing a big part of the risk that could exist within your environment. But I would also say if, if you were looking from a blank canvas, it would be thinking maybe about your attack surface. So if we think of the common uh, thing that all boards are frightened of the ransomware attack. How do those attacks start? There's usually a common attack path. What are the key controls that you would have in place on that common attack path to mitigate against a ransomware threat? So looking at your external footprint, your external network, do you have good endpoint coverage on that external network? Um, do you have any um, exploitable or um, attack vulnerabilities that sit on that network? Um, how well are you controlling your um, access? So looking at, again, maybe privileged accounts. So if you think once once a ransomware attack starts and they get into their, your environment, how can they propagate through that environment? And usually it's, it's when least privilege is not deployed. So metrics around kind of your admin accounts, uh, focusing on some of those, the password resets, the um, do you have any stale accounts that are sitting there that could be used that you don't realize are being kind of acted on by threat actors? So that would be my recommendation, um, kind of two-pronged way where you might think you have weaknesses, focusing your um, uh, attention there. But then also, uh, yeah, common threats like ransomware, how can you be mitigating against those? And I think that's also where our 18 benchmarks came from. It would be looking at ones that particularly um, relate to making sure you have the mitigations in place for uh, the 
the, I guess you can never truly, as much as you fishing test your employees, there's always going to be risk that someone's going to kind of get tricked and click on something they shouldn't. So bearing in mind that that will happen, what are all the other safeguards you should have in place to stop that ransomware attack propagating? And one of the problems with any of these standard documents and these policy documents is they get written and then they get left to one side. So particularly given that you've got this idea of traveling between the initial and the mature measures, how often would you say an organization should review it? And I assume that they're not just going to do it once and then say, right, we're here, we're, we're good enough. And as you said, threat landscape changes, your risk exposure and risk appetite will change over time as well. I agree. And and I would say there are there's generally within organizations, cadences that support the review of this. So you have monthly reporting to different committees. You'll have your quarterly board reporting. You'll probably have your yearly audit. So within all that, what you also want to be doing is is if you're monthly reporting on your metrics, you should be able to see how, how well you're performing against your um, standards and the uh, policies that you have in place. You'll be able to see if, if you have automation, the ability to look at trend analysis. So are you getting better or worse over time? If you're getting better, great. Let's look at addressing that and, and being, um, like I said, lowering our risk appetite and being stricter on ourselves and maybe changing our policies to be more mature. If we're getting worse, then maybe this isn't the time to make our policies more mature, but understand why we're not performing against the policies that we're already setting and the standards we're already setting for ourselves. And I think um, a general review, especially kind of with the CISO and probably the CISO's direct reports in the different security areas to understand performance. Again, if you're asking for more um, resource or, or money from your board, then you're probably going to have to craft that story of why. And so being able to understand how you're performing against the targets you're sit setting yourself will feed into that story. Um, and equally, then when you start doing well, you want to tell that success to your to your board and to others and say, yes, look, we, we asked for the money maybe six months ago, but look at some of the improvements we're making. And so being able to share those stories with others wider in your organization, I think can also help to drive the, the continual review of, of the policies that you're setting. Do you think by adopting these controls and standards, you might actually be able to save money or potentially at least ensure that investments are more focused? I think so. Um, so, as, a, as, I, as I mentioned, being able to measure on top and understand the reason why. So, once you put your controls and standards in place and understand how you're performing against them, it helps you make those kind of revelations come to light as, as to why you might be doing well or where you might not be doing well. And also when you are doing well, it's learning, well, what have we put in place to make ourselves do well in this area? And can we replicate that into different parts of our um, security stack? I would say that it's being cleverer with your spend. It's understanding where your risk sits. It's putting your money against that. It's not spending your money on producing the reports if you can do that in an automated fashion and, and having your spend be on, on the um, addressing of the risk. And then once, once you've risk is probably never going to go to zero. So in line with this, you've also got to say, well, what? how would we set a, a RAG threshold against this red, amber, green? So if we're missing our SLAs by a little bit, is that something where we're going to really jump into action or does it have to uh, deviate even further from our SLAs before we act? And so I, I guess that's part of the risk appetite as well is, is 
green is probably never going to be 100% coverage of a tool, but should it be 99% or should it be 98% coverage and understanding what that 2% delta might be. And that helps as well in terms of understanding when maybe um, to move on and look at different areas and redirect your spend, when is good enough. And that's something else that we can we can help our customers with, with that benchmarking part. It's, well, you've set these controls, you've set these policies for yourselves. You're probably never going to be 100% against them at all times, but what is the standard across security, across your peers and other organizations in terms of where, where they're setting their uh, red, amber, green, uh, rag thresholds and, and risk appetite against these benchmarks. Yes, because again, that does come back to the organization's criticality of data and processes and then again, in turn, their risk appetite. So you can have fantastic protection, but the fantastic protection around the wrong things doesn't really improve your security posture overall. Correct. Exactly. And that's exactly like you say, why we are such strong advocates for the the business component of your measurement. So if you've got no uh, vulnerabilities on your vending machine, which is on an internal network separated from all your business, um, but still, you know, in your staff canteen, then maybe that's not as as, as powerful story as, as saying you've got no vulnerabilities on your uh on your trading um, platform <laughs> if you're a, a, a global bank. And so um, so to us, that's why business contest is so important that you might have some risk, but if it's risk that you've signed off and said, yes, we're accepting this risk because it's on non-business critical assets, it's on segmented networks, um, then it's very different story to um, we've, we're very vulnerable on, on the assets that are holding our most business critical data. And then aside from automation, how do you stop these things becoming a burden? burden and the checkbox exercise that essentially just becomes another compliance thing that you have to do, but doesn't actually add to security. So I think the great thing there is is maybe having um, accountability across the business. So being able to understand who owns some of the risks, getting the the wider business bought into the problem. So it's not just a, a technical or the IT team's um, issue to solve, but helping communicate to the business who who owns the risk. Maybe, you know, you've got um, the head of the trading function isn't necessarily going to be the person fixing the problem, but if they see what risk sits on their assets, maybe because of some of the processes that they're trying to put in place to allow the, their employees to, to do the roles that they need to do, then it helps get that buy-in across the organization. And I think if you've got the whole organization bought into your security story, so you're both enabling your business practice um, and working together in a partnership, it becomes something that is, is more motivating for you um, as a team. It, it's not a tick box. You can see how what you're doing is impacting your business, maybe your customers, um, and, and is important for the organization as a whole. And is this something then that should be a strategic priority for the organization because a lot of these things that are in here they look quite administrative you talked about cyber hygiene you see that's important we talked about regulation but in your view is it something that is actually essential and needs to go right up to the board level because although the nuts and bolts of it are quite mundane the problems caused by failing to do these things and do these things properly are potentially 
a systemic risk to the business. Yes, I mean, I think it's it's highly critical. Uh, you probably expect me to say that, but um, I would say, yeah, I mean, it could be make or break for your organisation if you don't have some of these things in place. Um, like you said, some of this is 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 maybe it's not the the most interesting things within cybersecurity today, you know, looking at kind of threat actors and attack paths might be um, more exciting and a more exciting story to tell. But these are so crucial to um, every organization's health. If you if you don't have the right controls in place, if you don't have what people call the basics, even though it's not necessarily easy, basic can sometimes suggest easy. And I wouldn't say that this is easy, but if you do have those, those things in place, there's going to be much more scrutiny um, in the future. Board members are going going to be need to become um, more cyber literate. They're going to need to understand some of these points. And these controls are just so critical for making sure that you're doing everything you can to mitigate against some of the biggest threats out there, such as the ransomware attacks and such. Nine out of 10 security leaders think that the failure of an expected control is the primary reason for their breach. Um, I did some research uh, earlier this year, where 80% of cyber insurance claims are a result of cyber hygiene failures, almost where you thought you had a control in place that was mitigating against a problem, um, and it and it wasn't actually working. I think from the research we've done, we found out that 96% of um, senior cybersecurity professionals are frustrated at their own lack of compliance with basic cyber hygiene. So being able to understand why, why they aren't complying with the policies that they're setting and measure those policies is it's something that's so important. Charlotte Jupp setting out why a failure of basic control measures still lies behind so many cybersecurity incidents and how CISOs can apply benchmarking and risk measurement to improve real-world security. That, though, is all for this episode of Security Insights. We'll be back in two weeks' time when our guest is Elizabeth Green, a mere advisory and cyber lead at Dell and a passionate advocate for greater diversity in the industry. We hope you can join us then. Until then, you can, of course, catch up on past programmes on our website, securityinsights.co.uk, and on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon and Spotify. Thanks again for listening.